And it really kind of broke my heart. I was, I mean, like to the point where as a grown man, a 53 year old man, I felt like just bawling. I really did. I was really upset. I mean, really felt like crying because I had so been sucked into her bullshit that it, I mean, it just hurt. It just hurt my fucking heart that she was just a liar. She was just a scam artist. Wow. She's slippery Jimmy. Yeah, that's exactly who she is. And and my boss looks at me and says, you know, this job is going to harden your Jimmy, heart. Jimmy, whatever his name is. Sorry. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. But you're, this job is going to harden your fucking heart. You're going to learn not to, ex- you're going to learn to expect that everybody's trying to get one over on you. And I just, I, because I, I'm in very emotional at this point. I went, no. I just looked at him and said, no, that's not going to happen because I will not let the world change me. I will try to change the world by being me. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Don and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. So um, let me tell you something. When I think that I, I don't think I know for sure that the peak of my social existence was when I was in seventh, eighth grade, and this was when I was going to bar bat mitzvah every weekend, sometimes two, you know, like one later in the, I, you know, I, I was juggling it all over the place, and uh, and then like if I didn't have a bar mitzvah or bar, bat mitzvah to go to, I'd have a birthday party to go to. Like that's just, and I wasn't alone in this. Like we were all. This was just a very busy social time. And I'd say nine out of 10 of those events sucked. They sucked, Don. They broke my heart. They left me wondering why I was on this planet, what the point of everything was. And that was- Birthday parties and bar mitzvahs? Yeah. Yeah. I would just be- I mean, I had fun because I always have fun, but I was just wondering, like, this is not good. It's not- it's terrible. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And that's because I had the thought of what it was going to be. I had this preemptive, this, this prejudge, I would prejudge these parties. And I would set up these expectations that, you know, that Amy Coyne and I were finally going to kiss. Or that, you know, well, Amy Coyne and I broke up last week that this week at this party, Emily Bestie is going to uh, like me. And I'm going to get to... To start going out with Emily Bestie, you know, you and I had a you and I had a very very different experience in the growing up because I was the kid that nobody invited because I was always the new kid. So I judged, I definitely prejudged those parties, but I wasn't invited, so I prejudged them as what a shit show, and I'm glad I didn't do it. So I never went, oh, I what's the meaning of my existence? The meaning of my existence is fucking a. I'm glad. It, I mean, I'm, as a kid, I was probably hurt. Yeah. That I wasn't invited to some of the things, but I was the new kid, so I didn't give a shit. I was always the kid that intentionally set himself apart because I was already apart. So well, and that's, not that's good. You saved yourself a lot of heartache and disappointment. I believe that's, I mean, that's, I believe that's true. My, my pre teen years were tortured. They were tortured. It's, it's what made me such a great emo kid as I got older, you know, because I had this this base of, of hard times and uh, misery. At all the bar and bat mitzvahs and oh, yeah. summer camp all, dances that I would think get. it was all it was all based on your high expectations of great success that you were that were dashed to the rocks. Yes, and here's how I know that because 
at some point in seventh and eighth grade, at some point in my junior high career, I stopped expecting things. I just went, well, don't expect anything to happen. Go to the party. Just see how shit goes down. And, you know, if you end up getting an HJ from Amy Coyne and Emily Bestie, fucking right on. You know, that's a, didn't see that happening yeah. and well, big win. You know, the, the thing is, that's not, because uh, there's, I guess, when it comes, to, when it comes to managing expectations, there's having too high expectations, which, like you said, it's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. sort of a guarantee for perpetual disappointment because very few things meet your high expectations. Right. I mean, some things do, and that's great. I can't think on of a single hand, thing that meets my high expectations. Yeah, on the other hand, uh, if your expectations are too low, if you're just like everything's, it's never going to work out. It's never going to be good. You're just kind of a sad sack dick. You're a dick. And that's where I was too low on the expectations, probably when Katie was pregnant. Because I was like burdened with fear and whatever other bullshit. So I was like, yeah, you're ex- I don't. So your expectation was so low that what, Harry was going to come out like. Actually, no, you know what? That's a, that's a terrible analogy. Let's strike that from the record. That, that, that doesn't work. Um, I was say that doesn't. Yeah, yeah that really doesn't kinda... work at all. Um, I'm trying to think of. Well, I mean, okay. Here's here's something I'll tell you. All right, so you just mentioned to me before we started recording that you are putting together a cover letter and a resume for a potential gig. Ah, yes. Okay. What are your expectations of the gig, and and how are you managing? Because, you know, that's the thing is almost any gig is it's new. I want to get it. Do I get it? You have an expect. You know, I mean, you come in with an right. expectation of, well, am I, you know, if, if, and if if you do get it, then what are your expectations of how that's going to go? Right. And yeah. So tell me about well, that. Well, it's, it's a lot easier for me to manage my expectations now that I'm 40 versus when I was 13 because I have yeah. experience under my, my belt. And so for this job, my expectations are pretty tempered. I, I mean, it's coming through a uh, referral, so that you know my chances of getting the job, I don't know, are improved that way. But my chance of getting in front of people and interviewing are improved because it's a referral. Um, I know I do better, you know, like I, I do pretty well in in the interviews, so that that improves it. But my expectations are uh, that I at least get an interview. That's yeah, it, okay. and then we'll take it yeah. from there. Because I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, and I also, I can't remember which, which last full-time job it was that I had where it might've been when I was at MGM in 2006, where I was like, don't get too excited. Like all jobs have a honeymoon period. All jobs yeah. go to shit. Um, yeah, everything's great the first three months, but then things start to settle and you know, it's a honeymoon period. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'm kind of like a, a bummer, a wet blanket with that kind of stuff. Um, oh, see, I, see, my problem is I tend to have very high expectations. And one of the things that's been interesting to me just lately in my 50s is recognizing what influences those expectations. Because mm-hmm. I just, I, a long time ago, I just decided I'm always going to have very high expectations. You, you are, know? I mean, yeah, you're, you're a, yeah. a, 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 uh, and I'm disappointed. Overexcited more often than child not. sometimes in that well, way. And know, I think that's well, great. But it's like well, what it reminds me of is like, and I think I've told you this story before, but it's the expectation theory. And it's the only thing I re- really actually remember mm-hmm. from like teacher college. Yeah. You know? I mean, it literally is the only thing that stuck other than actually teaching, which was not part of college. But the expectation theory, the story, the narrative is new teacher comes in middle of the school year. He's given a list of students, like 30, 35 students he's got. 
Um, and next to the names of the students, he's coming in the middle of the school year, next to the names of the students are numbers. And he makes the assumption that these are their IQ scores. I mean, why they would have IQ scores next to names, whatever. This is the story. Right, right. And the, so he teaches the nine weeks of whatever it is, the quarter of the class. And sure enough, at the end of that quarter, the kids with the higher scores, the higher numbers, got A's. And the kids with the lower numbers got C's and D's. Hmm. And it turned out that they were their locker numbers. <laughs> and the idea behind the expectation theory is that people will rise or fall based on your expectation of them, how you treat them and how you what your expectation of them is. So if you have yeah. so the idea is, and so that what what I took away with it, just like in my life, is I will have high expectations because that's how I want things to turn out. Yeah. And I and and yeah, that's gonna ultimately it yeah, I'm gonna be disappointed probably more often than not. Mm -hmm. But I think that's that's just kind of like how I like to approach things. The interesting thing, however, is external stuff. And the external stuff, a, a perfect example of just like something I was reading this morning. The minute I saw the trailer, the teaser trailer for Todd Phillips Joker. Yeah. I was like, fucking A, oh my God. I yeah. mean, I love Joaquin Phoenix and he's fucking nuts. And this is, oh my God, Robert De Niro's in it. It's going to have notes of uh, King of Comedy and notes of Taxi mm -hmm. Driver. It's like, yeah. okay, I really fucking want to see this. This is great. So I'm excited about it. I have very high expectations that this is going to be a great film. Mm -hmm. Well, it started to come out and... Many of the critics, yeah, are reviews saying are not good. That, well, and you know, and it's an interesting thing is is that I'm balancing my expect my high expectation with the reality of some of those reviews, and some most of the reviews that I've read are less a response to the film itself and more a response to their change in expectation when Todd Phillips does his fucking interview. And makes his big, you know, his big uh, takedown on woke culture. He's like, I can't make any fucking comedies because of PC woke culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make this thing. When you combine that with the fact that this is basically the story of a white guy who is an incel, <laughs> who is kind of pathetic, yeah. Yeah. who's alone <laughs> in the world, who then turns to murdering people in this day and age. You know, and so most of the reaction that I'm seeing is that that these people are that that hate this movie are expecting it to be an incel fantasy land, mm -hmm. and that's how. And that is, I've read through some of the reviews, and that seems to be their take on it. Is I hate this movie. It's sort of like Get Out. I mean, Get Out was a great movie, yeah. But people, and and it took me a while to go see Get Out mm -hmm. because all I heard was. This is all about truth to the black experience. Like yeah. that's not why I want to go see that movie. I don't want to go see a horror movie that's also Twelve Years a Slave. Right. Give me. It's all about managing those expectations. Although I would say that Twelve Years a Slave, is in a some ways, movie. is a horror movie. Yeah, but the thing is, Twelve Years a Slave is saying this is what this movie is about. Yeah. This is you know, and so your expectations have been managed. Yeah. By the campaign. So the thing, so I look at Joker, and and you know, one of my good friends from Chicago, Bob Fisher, just texted me. He said, "I just saw Joker. It was fucking brilliant." Mm -hmm. So I've got, and I trust his judgment. You know, he and I like a lot of the similar dark shit. I still want to see Joker, but my expectations now have been 
not even managed by myself, managed by sort of all of this noise that surrounds it. Yeah. And I still have a very high expectation for this film. I think I'm going to love it. I hope I'm going to love it. Yeah. You know, and, and going to the, again, going to movies, like most MCU, MCU movies. I mean, let's be honest. Some of, some of the Marvel movies are turds, but I have such a high expectation that it doesn't matter to me if they're turds. I still love them because I because I've managed my expectations so high mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter what the reality is. I'm gonna like it just because I have to because right. I've decided I was going to, and I think that's a weird thing. Yeah, I. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it, as far as the Joker goes, I was surprised. I normally don't read reviews on movies that I'm excited to see. Really at all. I mean, all. you know, like yeah. if I'm if I'm not excited to see it, I'm not going to read it one way or the other. Um, but I've was thinking like in what I've read up to and then in what I've seen in the trailers that Joker, I'm going to love this thing that it's a it's it's the another take on this the character that we this all know. Iconic character. Yeah. But it's it's his side of the story. We've never seen that on film and we've never seen that from Joker on film. We got like an origin story in Tim Burton's Batman, 89 Batman, but that doesn't, that doesn't count, right? Yeah, no. Um, but then I, I think, I guess it was this morning, I saw um, a headline from, I think it was NPR that the Joker like leaves, that is uninteresting. Like it's, it's beautiful and it's, you know, the music is great and the acting is fine, you know, all that. But it's ultimately a boring movie because it takes a chunk of what makes Joker Joker, which is the insanity and not explaining it. It takes that out of that. And it's, it breaks it down and makes him human. We like the sadistic, insane, unexplicable part of Joker. See, I don't I, know. I mean, I... Well, yeah, and based on those reviews... I would, but thing, I was surprised to see it because my expectations were that yeah. everybody was going to allow this thing. Yeah, it was going to be brilliant. And it was going to be Oscar yeah, bait and all this right, kind of stuff. Right, I think, I think part of it is it's nihilistic enough that it's... that Because at the end of the movie, when I, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't yeah. know. I'm going to... But from what I understand is, you know, you you can't have him lose. Mm-hmm. You can't have this character lose at the end of this film because Batman isn't really in the picture yet. Right. And so really this is, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, this is basically the story of the creation of a madman. Yeah. And he doesn't lose in the end. So it may, on its surface, if you watch it, you walk away and go, I feel really depressed mm-hmm. because this person who, I, who I've who i identified with on some level, because yeah. he's sort of the anti-hero of the movie, wins. And how do I feel about that? You know? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's sort of like, let's do a biopic of Adolf Hitler right up until the point he's chancellor. Right. And right. then just and then just leave it to the well. Then we don't want to see him lose the war. We just want to see him rise. And we it's like, we kind of ah, did see that movie with it was John Cusack. Yeah. Oh God, what was that thing called? Oh, it was um, like John Cusack not, Hitler movie. Yeah, I know what it's. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I know it because I see it. But yeah, it's sort of like Max. Let's look it was at called Max, Max, where John Cusack so plays a was, Jewish art dealer. Yeah, I. Yeah. Well, I think it was called. Uh, my brain was saying it was Hugo, but Hugo's that uh, Scorsese uh, yeah. fantasy movie. It's like no, no, yeah. no. Well, you know. So here, here's the thing. Um, the the novel that we're publishing that I hope idiotic that we're yeah. serialized and publishing on Litter Date. Uh, the title of that, that novel that I wrote is called Hope Idiotic. The original title was called Mastering Disappointment. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see that from reading it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, the whole thing is this idea that, I mean, the beginning of the book is let's go do this thing. Everything is going to be great. We're stepping out into the world to like the next stage of adulthood. Let's do it. And then everything goes to shit and all the expectations that everybody has and every character has crumble and yeah. collapse on themselves. And and at the end, I don't want to give it away, but, you yeah. know, you know, and maybe that's perhaps what the original title did was give it away. But, you know, there's this idea of mastering disappointment. Well, how do you master disappointment? You may, you manage your emotion, you manage your expectations. Yeah. And your emotions. Well, I, and I don't even too. think it's, that's the thing is, I don't even know if it's about managing your expectations so much as, and maybe this is, uh, it falls under the definition of managing expectations, but being flexible enough with your, mm -hmm. with your enthusiasm about whatever outcome it is. Mm-hmm. That that you can that you're not holding so desperately you're not clinging to those expectations, so that when those expectations are not met that you're just brutally disappointed. I mean, you know, it, it, actually another it's like real world example is, you know, we all expected those of us on the left of the the, the political spectrum we all expected Hillary Clinton to be the president, and oh, we were totally. bitterly. I mean bitterly disappointed yeah i would say in terms of managing expectations um we did not that, well the, the thing is, is that for a good portion of and not even a good portion for about eight to ten percent of the country because you know again it's like facebook and twitter makes you think there's far more many of you than there are yeah about ten percent that are the really hardcore i hate i hate donald trump so much that no matter what i want i just want to burn him alive kind of hatred and yeah. anxiety that they carry yeah. they just didn't manage their expectations mainly because they expected it they lost and they simply cannot get past that loss they right. can't remanage they can't like find a new expectation you know until they have put that one to rest and to it's really expectations self-defeating expectations that go unmanaged and become too high quickly turn into entitlement yeah and and I don't want to get too hung up on the 2016 election because ugh, yeah 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 fuck. I don't yeah, but I don't talk politics. Hillary but. Clinton's failure at its core was her entitlement. Yeah, and the she just knew she was going to win. And I think we all we're, did. we're starting to see that uh, that heightened expectation that un uh, that the feral height of expectations around the Trump impeachment inquiry. Yep. Uh, start to take shape again, and I'm I'm trying to like pull the reins on some of my friends and family that I feel comfortable doing that with, saying, "Yeah, let them do this, but hang on, because that doesn't solve the problem." Yeah, the problem because, isn't Trump. the The problem is far deeper than right. Trump. Is Trump a problem? Yeah. Is he the cause of the problem? Nope. Is he making the problem worse? Yeah. And we got that, that exists from Obama. I mean, we, when Obama was elected, we, the left, the, the progressive, whatever, however, you know, we should frame ourselves, we thought we won. Well, that's it. We got rid of George W. Bush and all of his people are out. Their eight years are up. And now we're going to fix everything with the cool, young, black guy and his yeah. hot wife. And yep. he sings Al Green. You know, I mean... Oh yeah, he plays basketball. He smokes cigarettes. You know, well, and the expect and the thing about it is the expectation of Obama yeah. was that was great, 
And for me, for some people like me, I thought he was a great success as a president. I mean, he had his problems, and I, but I think, I think he provided us at least with a. We didn't know we needed a counterexample to Donald Trump, but he provided a counterexample that we could still look back at, and either learn from or not. And I think a lot of us are not learning from it. We're not learning because there was other on shit other happening hand, at the time. Yeah. That, on the other know, hand, some people their expectation of Obama was that he was going to come in and solve all the black people's problems. Yeah. And solve all the problems that we had with George W. Bush's administration, and he did not. In fact, he parroted some of them. In fact, you know. You know, like the, oh the oh the jacked up the drone strikes and he, the immigrants. The, yeah, yeah the, the uh, drone strikes. The fact is, he deported more more immigrants coming to this country uh-huh. than any president before or since. Yeah, and you know, it's like so there, that expectation management becomes very conflicted. Where if I think this is what I think the end goal, of, or not end goal, but sort of the end result of having an inability mm-hmm. to step back from your expectations. I get, like I said. I think you should have very high expectations. I think how you approach the world, if you have high expectations, the world will start to kind of kind of massage into that. That's my belief. However, with the inability to massage the expectation, at some point, mm-hmm. no one is ever going to be good enough. Nothing is ever going to be good. I it dated a girl nihilism. like that for three years. It yeah. is nihilism, and it is that low expectations that you're just a fucking dick. And it's just really, uh, it's an interesting thing. Is uh, at the casino, I pretty much have the expectation, and it's part of the the job. At least the way I've, I'm interpreting the job as a as an, a casino manager is that I I'm making the assumption right off the bat, just like the teacher with the IQ scores or mm-hmm. the thing. I'm making the assumption that everybody in that casino, and it doesn't matter what they look like, and it doesn't matter what they smell like, because some of them smell, yeah. and it doesn't matter how much money they're spending, is that everybody there is there as a guest, and that you know the casino's job is for them to have a good time so that we take their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's casino business. That's it. And um, one of the interesting things has been, and this is going to be a story on Peculiar Journeys at some point, but I come in one day. And I'm told that this woman um, <clears throat> in the graveyard shift, she's a guest of the hotel, tripped on the sidewalk and fell and fucking face planted in the asphalt. And Yikes. that and that she was, you know, that she was in really bad shape and that the paramedics came, but she didn't want to go to the hospital, you know, really bashed her face off, and that she had some real big issues with security and with the paramedics and with the hotel. And so everybody's bad. Right. Everybody's yeah. mistreated her over this experience. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, wow, that's terrible. And they, you know, then I'm, I go on ship. They say, well, she's still in the Denny's, but she's got to check out of the hotel. <laughs> I mean, she's got to check out of the hotel by three o'clock or they're yeah. going to charge her for another day. So I go in and I see this woman and she's kind of heavy set. She's white, um, soft spoken. And you could see, yeah, her face, it's not mangled, but yeah, you definitely see that, you know, she fell flat on her fucking face. Mm-hmm. And she's sipping, very slowly sipping this milkshake. So I come in and I introduce myself and I instantly get sucked into, it's the best way I can describe it is it's like the old, like mummy movies. Mm-hmm. When you get into the fucking uh, quicksand and yeah. the more you move, the it's just she is so put upon. Her whole life, her whole life 
has yeah. been this series of disappointments. Yeah. And she's just, and I feel so bad for her because she's had such a bad experience. And it, and it turns out it's her birthday oh. and that she came into town because she's an author and she was invited to a conference. And I mean, I'm buying every fucking thing. Part of the reason I'm buying everything she's selling is because she's not asking for anything. Mm -hmm. She's yeah. not saying, I want a free room. Yeah. She's not saying, I want free food. I mean, she's just wanted somebody to hear her, how hard it is and how horrible her life is. And at some point, she's like, I'm going to throw up. I can't get up. I physically, you know, she's, I've got epilepsy and my medicine's not Jesus working. Jesus Christ. And, and at one point, she says that she's feeling very nauseous, but she can't actually get up and walk to the bathroom. So I go get, I don't know what the fuck. So I get her a Denny's bag. <laughs> I get her a Denny's bag. And uh, I walk her over to a corner of the Denny's where nobody's at. So she can throw up in this bag. And then I dispose of the bag. So this is all going on. And my boss is like, she's a scam artist. And I'm getting none of this, right? I have just this high expectation that she's totally telling the truth. And it turns out she's a fucking scam artist. I mean, she did fall. Mm-hmm. But later on, I overhear her telling a waitress that a security vehicle knocked her down, which is not true. And I'm like, where the fuck is that coming from? And it turns out that she has actually asked for free rooms. She has asked for free food. She just didn't get it. So she didn't ask me. And it really kind of broke my heart. I was, I mean, like to the point where as a grown man, a 53-year-old man, I felt like just bawling. I really did. I wow. was really upset. I mean, really felt like crying because I had so been sucked into her bullshit that, it, I mean, it just hurt. It just hurt my fucking heart that she was just a liar. She was just a scam artist. Wow. And it She's really, Slippery Jimmy. It, yeah, that's exactly who she is. And and my boss looks at me and says, you know, this job is going to harden your heart. Jimmy, whatever his name is. Sorry. Yeah. Jay, yeah. But you're, this job is going to harden your fucking heart. You're going to learn not to, ex you're going to learn to expect that everybody's trying to get one over on you. And I just, I, because I, I'm in very emotional at this point. I went, no. I just looked at him and said, no, that's not going to happen because I will not let the world change me. I will try to change the world by being me. Uh -huh. And then, you know, later on, I realized, boy, that just sounded like a fucking self-help meme. What an <laughs> asshole I am. But it's still the, the essence of it is I, I want to have these high expectations. I don't want to start expecting the worst in every situation because I just I can't do that. Yeah. Th my grandmother... Uh, Joyce, Nani, um, who passed away in May, lived by this code, which was, I must make what happens to me good for me. Yeah, yeah so, I like that. Now, my grandmother never wanted for anything. She had a very charmed life. Um, she, you know, she had a pretty good, you know, never any financial issues or serious health issues. I mean, her sister, her younger sister had MS, but... Um, whatever i mean nani just she yeah. always just had took a great outlook on life um and i don't know that she was ever disappointed until the very end because one of the things she said to me she's like i'm having a hard time finding how this is good for me because like she was sick you know what it felt like yeah, shit, whatever she, she really busted up about it she yeah. was ready to go um but she had this amazing way of just turning it around turning whatever it was around and just finding 
some way to do it. the bright side, yeah. And I don't know, and it sucks now that I can't go back and ask her because uh, apparently we can put a man on the moon, but we can't communicate with the dead. Well, you know, that's a problem that needs to be Which solved. is why I think that the moon landing was bullshit and was just filmed on a back lot in some <laughs> desert in New Mexico. Chemtrails, flat earth. Um, Obama took my guns for my kids. Um, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if she, uh, if she like, where her expectations existed on an everyday thing. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think she went in, she found joy in everything, in the little things, and was just able to manage, like, oh, that wasn't as good as something else, but it was better than other things. I, you know, and I think, I think that's how she operated. You know, it, yeah. it, you know that, that was like her, her factory setting. Yeah, your default. Um, you know, I'm trying to think about the marathon right now, the Chicago Marathon. Before you get into that, let's take a break and Good then we'll come back to the marathon. Because yeah, I, need, I need to take some Advil. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it. Whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. The, re- the quick recap of this is Bring it. it was all good to run the Chicago Marathon, had worked the whole summer training. I started out weak and was strong and was ready to go. And then after the 20 miler, I had this pain in my leg and it would not stop and I was unable to run. So for the last two weeks, I was not running. And I was trying to figure out what was wrong with my leg. I saw the physical trainer. I got x-rays. They didn't show anything. So I eventually had to go to an occupational or a, a orthopedic surgeon. And they did an MRI on Thursday. Uh-huh. And because some x-rays, like standard x-rays, won't show a stress fracture in, in some sometimes. So an MRI will show everything. So while I was waiting for the appointments, waiting for the news, I'm thinking, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I... I want to run the marathon. Like, that. that's it. I know I want to run the marathon. Yeah. And You've been working your ass off for like three months for this. And it wasn't even like, I want to run the marathon and I want to run it under three hours. Like, no, I just, no, I just wanted want to, to get it within four thing. hours, but I wanted to run it and finish it without having to walk or without excruciating well, and because pain. you're raising money for Gilda's Club. That's a part of the thing. Right. You've already taken, you know, like yeah. pledges and shit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But my personal goal for it was, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't looking at it as a race. You know, I just wanted to get through it without any, I mean, the normal pain after running 26.2 miles that you should have, like, that's fine. But anyway, so being faced with that, that I wouldn't be able to run this thing or because I have like a, a, a fracture in my leg, you know, a stress fracture or a full fracture in my leg, I was, if a full fracture, I wouldn't be able to walk at all. But anyway, you know, or is it something that I can fix? And if it's something I can fix, well, then I need to figure out what the fuck it is quickly because and we're running it, yeah, out of time. Yeah, because you've got a fucking marathon. I've got a marathon up. in a week. So this was really hanging over my head and really stressing me out. And I'm trying to do the right thing. And I can't do much. And yeah, it was it was really in my craw. So I get the MRI 
and I get word back and I have what's called a focal stress response, which is the beginnings of a fracture. So the doc told me, you can't run the marathon. Uh, you can, but there's a really good Very chance, good chance. Yeah, that you, you will end up with a, a stress fracture by the end of it or halfway through it or at the very beginning of it or yeah. a full fracture. And it's in my femur. So if, you know, that's the hardest oh, that's bone rough. to break that's and rough. the longest one to heal. So I can't run the marathon and I'm better today than I was yesterday after I got the news. Yeah, but so I, tell me about how you've managed it because you expected yeah. that you were going to run this. You have been writing about it like every week. Yeah. So this changes everything. So how are you dealing with the management of your very high expectations you were going to run this thing to now the dashing disappointment that you will not? Um, I think I'm handling it well because I've I've had these two weeks to prepare for it. You know, this wasn't yeah. like, this wasn't sudden news. It wasn't like... Um, I was going, I'm going to pick Harry up from school and we're going to take him to see his first petting zoo. Yeah. And I get to school and the school has burned down and all the children are dead. You know, that would be like, I don't know how to manage the expectation. I was just going to have a great day with my son and now I can't because he's charred bones, charred baby bones. Yeah. That would be bad. Um, you know, this, this was a gradual thing that I was able to process the potential, uh, resolutions. So I think I'm handling it okay. I mean, I am... I'm fucking bummed and I've been bummed and now, but now it's like, all right, well, that's that. So I need to rest. I need to do what I got to do to get this leg better. And then I will do what I have to do to get active again and, uh, and figure out how to not let this happen again. I mean, these things happen. I just, what can I do to prevent it next time if that's possible? Yeah. There's no, there's no way for you to be able to solve this problem. What I'm trying to decide is you know, since this has happened, I've been really, whenever I see a Bank of America Chicago Marathon ad or I yeah, get it makes emails you sad. or my team training trainings on Wednesday or Saturday, I get, I get sad. Yeah. Cause so, this is something you really had a high expectation. For. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I want to go and cheer with the team Gilda, you know, on the sidelines on Sunday. You know, you have to, but I have to. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're, then you, then you're just kind of a whiny bitch. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and I mean, Katie and I were talking about this yesterday, and yeah. I said, "She's like, so what do you want to do?" And I go, "I think," and this was right after I got the phone call and talked to the doctor. Yeah, and what I did is I was like, Katie got drunk the other day and bought a pack of cigarettes, and I was like, "I'm having a cigarette. We're going outside. We're talking about this. <laughs> like, I'm just, you know." So we're outside talking about it, and I was like, "I think I just want to go. Like, I'll take Harry, and we'll go to Grandma's in the suburbs and just spend a day at Grandma's house because I feel like I'm going to need Grandma's love that day." I'll have her make me ribs and her beans oh. and, you know, what? Yeah. What's the- <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, I get, I, I totally get it, but that, and I understand but, sort of like in the moment, yeah. that reaction of what I really want is I just want to, I just want to hug. I just want to lay in a bed. Yeah. And would you put a cover on me and yeah. shut the lights <laughs> off? Yeah. Please, no happy music. Could you that's play what, some Nine exactly, Inch Nails yeah. in the background? It's like, you know, God damn it. And then last night, you know, a few hours removed from it, Katie and I were, were making out in bed. And I I thought, and then I said it because I'm a romantic. Yeah, I'm going to say, this is a great makeout talk. You know, I really think that I should probably go and cheer with Team Gilda instead of yeah. going down to Grandma's. Dude, you have to. Anything less than that just makes you a yeah. whiner. And that's fine. And it, it's good. And it will suck. And 
No, or, it won't. Or the it thing won't. is, it's not going to suck. It's not going to suck because the whole point of the marathon, and it's one of those things like I, I think is very important. The whole point of you doing the marathon was to raise money for Gilda's Club. It wasn't for David's personal glory. As part a of it. Part of it was writer. David's personal glory. Part well, of that's it was what David's it became. personal glory. That's what it became. But the reality is that was the whole purpose was this good cause. So fucking support the cause, man. And those who did. You know, I will write everyone an email and everybody that donated, I know them, they'll understand like this shit yeah. happens. But and I they're feel still like to donate. Yeah. And and I feel like I owe them something. Yeah. Um, well, because they'll all you... say, I'm sure it's fine. You don't. But I feel like I owe them something and I feel like I owe myself something. So now I'm going to have to run another marathon at some point or a marathon. Uh, I don't think you have to run a marathon. I need to I do something can... of some in gigantic endurance challenge. I have watch. to watch. Well, then, you know, like watch, uh, you know, all of Walking Dead in one sitting, you know, or or like watch all four but, Back to the Future movies but the without point taking is, a shit. I, I mean, come on. You could do endurance things. Are there you four do Back a, to the Future movies now? I don't fucking know. I don't think so. Look, the whole point. Endgame could arguably this. be. Our Endgame could arguably be the fourth Back to the Future movie. Okay. That's a fair argument. I'm just saying. Well, I, I, the whole point is to run a marathon where I don't get hurt. So watching all of The Walking Dead would be a marathon that would hurt me. I would I would be hurting after that. Well, that's my point. If I don't want to get hurt. Endurance. endurance is different than hurting yourself through endurance. I can do endurance things without getting hurt. You obviously are not a fan of Mother Teresa because all she talked about was how suffering is fucking life. Yeah, and what a fucking blast she must have been at the bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Oh God, Mother Teresa's here again. Oh Jesus Christ, she's oh God, she brought the day old bean dip and the cold chicken. Oh, and she always wins the fucking limbo contest. I don't like, and then just complains about how hard it just, was to win. Oh, how her back hurts, and that makes her godly. Yeah. Ah, oh, sh- shut up. Today is about Rachel, Mother Teresa, not you. It's about Rachel. Okay, this is her bat mitzvah, Rachel. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. So I feel like an idiot. I I, I had no idea. that I was a, a big Oasis fan. First three, four albums. Uh, I had no idea that Liam Gallagher released a solo album in 2017. Okay. Had no fucking He's, clue. He uh, certainly did. Released a new one uh, last week. Uh, uh-huh. It's called Why Me? Why Not? And it's fucking great. It's, okay, so I, haven't, I haven't heard any of it yet. So, he's, all right, that's there are some songs where he's really leaning into "I'm John Lennon." Okay, you know, like he's he sounds like he's doing his best John he's, Lennon. He's, he's really working. leaning he into like it. Oasis was doing their best right. Beatles. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah, and it, that always kind of bugged me about Oasis. But like he and some songs are still good. But I'm like, dude, and the title of the album "Why Me, Why Not" are the titles of two separate pic- paintings that. One he bought that was a John Lennon painting. The other one Yoko Ono gave him. Oh, so Jesus. it's just it's Liam doing his you know hand job to John Lennon. Sure, you know? but it's a good album though. But it's a really good album. It sounds like really good later Oasis, and there wasn't a lot of good later Oasis. But it's no, it's no. it's really 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 good. So it's called right. Why Me Why Not. Liam Gallagher, give it a listen. I think I might do that. My first is it's based on my idea that, and we talked about this last week. Uh, how we've all basically become Don Quixote and all of our windmills are giants, I am going to recommend that everybody 
reread or read for the first time uh, Miguel de Cervantes' Don Quixote. I did that this week after having all the conversation we had uh, yeah. last week. I went ahead and pulled it up. I bought it in iBooks in, uh, on my iPad, and I read Don Quixote. And first of all, it's a, it's actually a, a really well-written book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is part parody. I didn't realize how funny it was. Yeah. I mean, like, like it, like it, but it really does. Because he's really a fool. So- yeah, it really cemented it really cemented my view that we are living in a time which I'm right now dubbing the Quixote zone mm-hmm. where where who whatever you believe is about yourself that's going to be the truth and no one can convince you otherwise. Yeah. And every every windmill or tow stub is absolutely the most epic hyperbolic bullshit you're ever going to do with. Read Don Quixote, you'll start to see And and to that point every Rachel Dolzer is a black woman. That's right. My next thing, it's uh, it's also a listen. So remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how bummed I was when uh, Johnny Epstein died. Um, or uh, Eddie Money, not yeah, Johnny Eddie Epstein. Eddie Money. Eddie yeah. Money, when Eddie Money died. Um, Different episode. We, we talked about that. Um, so this week, the Muffs' Kim uh, Shattuck mm-hmm. died, and people were sad about it. Um, I never really got into the muffs i'd never dove deep into the muffs uh that's what their fans are called muff divers i don't know if you knew yeah. so i was i was never i, I, I was did, never a muff diver i did i did know that and uh but they're a good band and that like upon her death i was like shit i i never got into the muffs and i wonder if i like missed something by not seeing the band before she died do i have a fear of missing out on whatever but anyway dive into the muffs this week um you know in honor of there you go the great musician kim shattuck my second one is uh, in terms of sort of like expectations. Uh, Jarrett Keene mentioned this to Dana, um, and she was like, like movies that she should watch. And she mentioned this, and I saw this back in, I want to say 2011. I can't remember when I saw it. It was made in 2010. It's called Winnebago Man. Mm-hmm. And basically, it is uh, pre internet, there's this guy. Uh, who was a Winnebago salesman. He was making a a video, sort of like an instructional video for Winnebago salesmen. And they have all these outtakes of him just losing his shit because he's so inept. (laughs) Because it's just not what he wants to do. It's hot and there's flies and his crew is kind of... And it's just him. I swear to God, watch it. Just three minutes of it. And you're just laughing because he's so fucking angry. You know? And it just... Oh, God damn it. It's hysterical. Well, this is a movie where a guy said... This was like the first viral hit. You know, it was all done by like just copied VHS tapes over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, where is Jack Ribney? So he finds him. And in terms of the concept of expectations, uh, the movie itself, the documentary itself subverts, partly because Jack Ribney decides to do this, you know, Mm -hmm. because he's living out in the fucking woods. Um, But it defies your expectations and I think at the end of it, uh, you'll be happy that it defied your expectations because okay. every turn changes your opinion of this man and this experience and sort of this phenomenon of viral videos. And Winnebago Man, you can find it on Amazon. All right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so my final thing, I just thought of another one, but I think I'll just tag this on as a as a. Uh, uh, so you're shameless gonna get four promo. things. So you're gonna get four things. You fucker. You do this all the time. <sighs> yeah, you know there are no rules. 
I know there are no rules. That's why you have to pretend so, like there are. Well, I was, I was going to stick with the, the theme of, of music. So I was going to say, uh, give you a read to do, which is, um, it's a WBZ, WBEZ interactive story. Um, uh, what the fuck did I write? She, oh, Chicago's Hidden uh, Indie Rock Archive. Uh, it's about oh, this wow. guy, uh, Adam Jacobs, who like for years went around to like every show he could and recorded the shows and like just how he's, you know, documented this chunk of Chicago indie music history, which is rich. I mean, it's a rich, rich oh, history. Yeah. Um, so give that a read because it's interesting. That um, sounds interesting. And what's your, what's your tag on? You do your last thing. We'll do because it's a general tag because it's about some of our writers. And, oh, okay. Well, then my last thing is talk about, uh, I, I, I saw that this was on Netflix. Um, I automatically, based on the, you know, talk about the Joker kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I automatically heard that this was sort of like a hashtag Me Too uh, misandrist fantasy that I, you know, like, you know, that this like, you know, and uh, and that automatically turned me off. It's like, I'm really not that interested. Yeah. And Dana was out of town and I went, you know, all right, I'm going to give it, because it's gotten some good critical response and it does have Tony Collette in it. And mm. I love fucking Tony Collette. Yeah. So, all right, let me watch this. And I mean, from the fucking get go, I was sucked in. It's eight episodes long. It's called Unbelievable. Okay. And it is... Um, I, there's a piece that's coming out next week that that it, it really what it boils down to is this is a movie that every single uh, man, every single police officer, um, and I would say every single 20-year-old feminist should watch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's 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 quite remarkable. It's I mean the the, the gist of it is basically about. Uh, it's two, it, it's based on a true story written, uh, an article from Politico. Um, and it's based on it. And, and the way that the filmmaker, I love the way the filmmaker did this is that in 20, I think it was 2008, this woman named Marie was, was she, she claimed that she was raped in her sleep by a guy that tied her up and made, and then took pictures of stuff on her and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And because she was sort of, uh, she was a foster child. She had some, she kind of a troubled kid. Uh, 16 years old, nobody believed her. Huh. Okay. Well, then in 2011 in Colorado, and that was in Washington, in Colorado, these two detectives that are not a part of the same police department uh, are investigating rapes, rape cases. And it turns out they're the same. They they get, they, they, they talk and they realize it's the same guy. Hmm. And so you see the story of 2008, this Marie's sort of like, she, she, you know, like, was she raped? Was she not raped? But her life is really destroyed by the idea that she lied about being raped, along with these two female cops, detectives, tracking down a serial rapist. This, the way this comes together is eminently satisfying and, hmm. and, and I think very strong and not at all a misinterest fantasy. I think it's a really smart. Are these hour long uh, episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. About eight hours. Okay. But it, it, I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. Yeah. All right. Right on. And what's your tag? So my tag is um, there's a short film that is about to be uh, about to premiere on Amazon Prime Enter called the Mollusk. Enter the Mollusk. Yeah, yeah. And tonight, if you're listening when this thing drops, so on Sunday, October seventh. Nope, October sixth. Sunday, yeah, October sixth. It's tonight. Um, we are having in Chicago at the Haymarket Pub and Brewery where we do Bug House Chicago. Uh, we are having a premiere screening. 
with stand-up comedy from uh, Soli Santos, who is in the film. She's a very talented, uh, funny woman. Um, and then we'll do a Q&A with the producer, creator, and co-producer, creator, co-writer, and director, Vincent Christ. Truman. Yeah. He's a one man. He's he's uh, Dick Van Dyke in Mary Tyler Moore or Mary, in Mary Tyler Moore. Remember that movie that Dick Van Dyke was in with Mary Tyler Moore, where she played a nanny that flew with an umbrella. Yeah, yeah. So does he have a really bad Cockney accent? Anyway, yeah, no. So, so, one man band is what I'm getting at. Um, anyway, and no, I, I co-wrote it, really co-produced bad it. Fucking Cockney accent. Um, and we'll do a Q and A with us, which will be weird. Um, Vincent also does a lot of performing at bug houses. Um, Peter Kremitis is in it, one of our literate ape writers. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so come out and see that. And then if you can't make it because you don't live in Chicago or you have diarrhea. Like um, me. Like Don. Both. Right. Got the, Both. Let's call that the Las Vegas Trots. The Las Vegas Montezuma's Revenge. There you go. Um, then you can watch it on Amazon Prime. We'll be making an announcement of when that's available. And that's it. Rock and that's roll. the show. That's Thanks. the show. And we'll Thanks for talk listening. To next we'll week. talk to you next week. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>